Good morning, everyone. Um, buenos días y bienvenidos a la Iglesia 121. Good morning and welcome to 121 Community Church. We're starting to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, which runs from September 15th to October 15th. So that's a little bit why we had Spanish today. My name is Jorge Perez, and I've been a member here since 2005. I have the privilege of volunteering with the worship team up here in English, children. So it's been a great time and do mission trips, which are a lot of fun, and I encourage you to try some of that. Uh, today we're going to read from <clears throat> Joshua 5, verse 1, 13 and 15. Okay, Joshua 5. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He's going to lead us in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for everyone here this morning. Lord, I just thank you for uh, the worship team, the opportunity to love you, to praise you. And Father, I just pray for Ross that you lead him this morning and that his message would uh, touch hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I was a part of a group of six people that went to Guinea, Africa. I was part of the young adults team that went to Egypt this summer. And this summer, we went on the mission trip to Honduras. And I went on the 2023 Uganda trip. We went to La Paz, Honduras with a group of people from our church. We went to the Czech Republic this summer with 121 missions. awesome going as a family, you know, having the opportunity to get away from life and focus on serving was, was really what I was looking for and hoping for, and it, it turned out uh, really special. So we were there to see what we can do as far as medical missions for 121. Uh, we were at a hospital called Sacre Coeur, which means Sacred Heart. Um, it's in northern part of Conakry, Africa. So we were a part of a cultural exchange program and we got to spend time with the locals there and just explore the city, explore just their lifestyle and what everyday life looks like for them. We went to Entebbe and we mainly worked in schools and we led a camp. So the camp was a three to four days, worked with students around our age and we just held life groups and worship and we tried to lead them in their uh, walk with Christ as best as we could. We uh, helped all of the kids in bring, trying to bring them closer to Christ. We also did um, home visits to try and deepen our understanding with them. We brought them a whole bunch of supplies like toiletries and food baskets. 
And I think there it was really eye-opening just to see how all of these people live and their neighborhoods versus how we live and our neighborhoods. I think one of the really cool things about this trip was the fact that we did have kids come along and we were going to serve kids. And so that was really uh, cool to see our kids kind of jump in and get uh, involved in not only the teaching, but then playing with the kids and having fun. And I think, um, I think there was a lot of bonding uh, over the week that we were there where uh, we were ready to go back. Part about missions is that we are commissioned to go. We are supposed to take the gospel and to share that, whether that's local, whether that is international, we as believers are called to share the good news and to go and make disciples. I think I was really impacted by this trip, just seeing how all of these people lived and yet they are filled with joy continuously, and they're just always so happy and whole-spirited. It was just really helpful for me to see that. And as much as I want to go out and I want to make disciples of other people and I want to spread the word of Jesus, I come back and my heart is filled more of the love that they have and the devotion they have, um, that it just makes me want to every day strive to be in bigger and being better with the Lord and sharing the word of him with others. Yeah, this is the first um, mission trip that I've had a chance to go with my daughter. We've gone on international trips before, but this is the first time that we've gotten to serve together internationally. It was a pleasure and joy to see her with the kids. She had the, the group of Ukrainian kids most of the week. Uh, just the, the impact that the kids had on her and the conversations that she was having uh, at the end of the day were really encouraging and positive. I didn't know how we're gonna fit in. I mean, I didn't know how they worshiped over there. And as soon as we got there, they were welcoming and they just started singing and dancing and we just fit right in and tried our best to keep up with them. They were, they had so much energy and they just loved to praise the Lord. So we were thinking about going on a, a mission trip for a few years now, and when this one came came around, where the Honduras trip had the opportunity for us to go as a family, and also serving kids, uh, was just seemed like God was putting it right in front of us for something He wanted us to do. There was a couple of days where we went out to the park with the kids and played on this turf field with them and really just got to blow bubbles and play with like the soccer balls. Some of the things I enjoyed about the trip was definitely hearing another language. It was really unique and to try to like figure out what they were saying. The culture exchange program really focuses on young adults because you're meeting other young adults that are over there. And so we get to see what life is like for them, meet them where they're at, but we also get to relate with them on different life stages, different things that we're going through, things we've experienced. And so even though they live across the world, um, you realize that we all kind of struggle with different things that 
um, really aren't that different in the end. Um, and we were really able to relate to them in super unique ways while also learning what life is like for them. One really amazing um, thing that God orchestrated in all of this is we actually had been sponsoring a child uh, through Orphan Outreach for several years. And we'd signed up, um, you know, not really picking Honduras or any specific location. However, it turned out that the child we've been sponsoring actually was in Honduras and he's at the school that we got to serve at. So we had the opportunity um, to meet, help, and, uh, and then see his family too, uh, which was really, uh, really just something only God could kind of orchestrate that we would have that opportunity. I think missions is so important because as much as we're teaching them, we're also learning for ourselves how uh, people across the world live. I mean, I went into the trip thinking that I was going to be the one teaching, and my faith grew exponentially just learning from the kids in the, my devotion group. children that were there was needing a blood transfusion and just the example that was given of the parent was not a match for that blood transfusion so the doctor gave her own blood for that child that day to save his life and just what an example that is of Jesus that he gave his blood for us um, to save our life and to save the lives of everyone. Yeah, I'm really grateful that 121 does give us these opportunities to participate in the mission trips. And, you know, we've thought about it for years, always looking at it. The fact that we were able to do it as a family uh, was really special. I'm so grateful to be part of a church that has a, a heart for the globe, uh, and we th see through all, all throughout Scripture uh, that God is a global God. He, he is for the nations. He's for every tribe, tongue, and people, uh, and that gives you a little bit of a glimpse of what God did this summer uh, through 121, and uh, we're grateful to continue to be a part of what God's doing all over the world, and in, invite you to continue to be the same. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church that gives so generously so that we can do things uh, to impact the nations, uh, that we pray uh, deeply and faithfully, uh, and that uh, we go. And there are people right now uh, that are 
uh, praying uh, whether God would have them to leave here uh, and to go somewhere globally and serve uh, the nations. Uh, we've been taking a look uh, in Joshua. We're going chapter by chapter in Joshua. We're in chapter 5 today. If you want to turn your Bibles to Joshua 5. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the scripture on the screen in just a moment. You'll be able to track uh, that way as well. Uh, one thing I want to make sure we do and not leave behind a transition that's happening in chapter 4 and 5. Uh, and uh, we've just to summarize where we are, some would be familiar with this overall story, some may be less familiar. Uh, but when we just look at the big picture of how we arrive at Joshua 5, uh, what we find uh, early on uh, in the scriptures that God has chosen a people to be his own, uh, Israel, then his people are enslaved uh, for a 400-year period uh, in Egypt, uh, and then God does a rescue for them. Uh, Moses uh, is used by God to bring about that rescue. Uh, he has promised them a land, uh, and because of their disobedience, uh, there's a 40-year delay before they enter the land. We enter into Joshua chapter 1, uh, and we find that uh, Moses has died. Joshua is up next. It's his successor. Uh, and as Joshua takes the lead, God assures him that he's given him the land. Uh, and then uh, we move into Joshua 2, and we see the unlikely kind of people that God uses. It gives us all hope. Uh, and in Joshua 3, uh, they start to cross the Jordan uh, River into the land that God promised. God miraculously holds back the water. They get to the other side. In chapter 4, they stack stones as a memorial to remember what it is that God has done. And when we concluded with chapter 4, we actually see the why behind what God is doing. Now, it would look like that the main why is to get them into the new land, into the land that God has promised them. It could look like that God is so for Israel that he's just getting them to this land. This is for them. But at the end of chapter 4, we see the theme that resounds uh, throughout the Bible. And that theme is that God is for his own name. He's for his own glory, and he's for the nations being drawn in to be worshipers of him. And at the end of chapter 4, they're told the reason this has happened, the reason of that miraculous holdback of the Jordan River, that, that the reason that has happened, the reason God has brought them in is so that the nations might fear the Lord. So when God is actively at work, he's actively at work so that the nations will fear him and come to him and worship him. And we're grateful to be a part of the ongoing work of God across the nations. And as we think about our Spanish-speaking community that's local to us at 121, we continue to increase our presence in Spanish-speaking countries across the world uh, to have a global impact in bringing the message of Jesus to them. Uh, with that, we transition into Joshua 5, uh, we'll cover the whole chapter uh, of Joshua 5 uh, as we've been doing. Again, we're doing about a chapter a week in, in working through the story uh, of what God is doing through him. The main idea that moves through chapter 5 of Joshua is this. It's rolling through transitions well. They've come across, they're in the land, and most of us would be really fired up that after all these years, we're about to realize the promise that God has for us. And now God says, hold. 
there, there's some things that still need to happen for this transition to go well from wandering in the wilderness into the land that God has promised them. And, and I believe there are four things here that are really helpful for us today when we think about transitions in life. And there are a number of transitions that we face really on a daily basis, and then often there are major transitions. Uh, and how do we move through those well as followers of God? I liken this to you're watching a movie, watching a documentary. It's kind of moving along, and then there's something that you just need to pause for a minute. So you hit pause. You say, you know what, what did they just say there? Or I, I need to get caught up a little bit to make sure I understand, or I didn't really understand what happened in that part. And you get kind of caught up, then you hit pause, and you move on. Hit pause comes off. This is a pause. It, it is, if this transition will go well, if we're going to move into the land that God has promised us, there are certain things that have to happen for the transition to go well. So I believe while we tether ourselves to God's Word, that this also helps us today as we think about the kinds of transitions that we roll through. The first thing I would say is this, that in verse 1, we can be confident that God's got this. If we're following after what it is that God has for us, and we're walking inside of it, we can move with confidence that God has it, and our trust is in Him. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea. So Israel is this small little country. Uh, it's separated by the Jordan River on one side, the Mediterranean Seas on the other side. They're now in the part of the land that's between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. When we talk about the Amorites, they were in the hill country of Israel. When we talk about the Canaanites, they were the nations that were in the plains, on the plains all the way to the sea to give some, somewhat of a location. Now they heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed. So they had heard about it. They'd heard what happened. They heard what God had done. And their response to it is their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. In this particular case, this transition that's happening for Israel from the wilderness to the land that's been promised to them. God has already gone before them and melted the hearts and melted the courage of those who would be hostile to them. They could move with confidence that God has this. He, he's the one. They, they had heard what God had done, and they wanted nothing to do with this God. Now, when we think about transitions, transitions can be scary, Transitions can be hard. Unknown can be frightening. So how do we roll through those transitions well? And in this particular case, there's fear, there has been in the past, that 40 years ago, they failed to take the land because they were fearful of the obstacles before them. And I think that thing that can shake our confidence when God is moving us in transition is fear. So what, what are those transitions that maybe you're facing right now? Maybe it's coming, something in the past. There are job transitions. 
my son, where he works, he's been there five years now, and I can't count how many times there have been transitions in all the people around him in leadership. There's transitions constantly happening in jobs. There's relational transitions. When, when death comes, there's transition in family dynamics. It changes everything. There's school transitions. There's that time when the last child uh, that's a preschooler now enters into elementary school and there's no kids at home. There's that time when they graduate from high school and are headed off to the military or into the workforce or on to continue their education and it empties out again. This time they may not stay in the vicinity, at least that first time around it emptied out, they're still in the area. There's transitions from elementary school to middle school and there's challenges in, that tra- in those transitions. We all face different transitions. But when we're walking and following after God, we can be confident that God's got it. When we moved from the building we were in several years ago into this building, it was a scary transition. It's scary to stand before people and say, hey, would you be willing to give millions of dollars so we can buy land and build a building so we can gather in a different spot in a more permanent location? And it's a scary transition, and yet God's got it, if that's His design. And when we transitioned from where we were to here, we were asking the question of God, how can we use our building for the community that we're in? We don't want this just to be a somewhat frequented space. We want things happening all the time in the building. And in that transition, I never could have dreamed the way that we would partner with the school district and how many trainings would happen in our building, back-to-school fairs would happen here, children's needs to be met, ministries happen on our grounds. As we step into that transition, confident God has it, this is how He's doing it. We move in. We had a desire to serve the Spanish-speaking community around us, and when we came, we thought it would work great if everybody was together, but for those who only spoke Spanish, we did these headphone things where it would translate for them. That sounded like a great idea. It was not a great idea. So then you say, okay, well, how are we going to minister to the Spanish-speaking community around us So then we start a Spanish service. Well, who's going to lead that? Well, God brought Arnaldo Soto. He'd already been in our church for a while. So in that transition, God already had it taken care of. He's done a phenomenal job leading. And then Arturo, who led our worship today, he's in the community around us, and he was here and does a beautiful job leading worship. Now he's the spiritual formation leader for our Spanish speakers and what's going on there. Elvis Gallegos is leading our whole mission effort. Jehuda Erbar just came on staff the neighborhood. God had all these people here. We stepped into it. God's got it. God has it. When we started that Spanish-speaking service, there were probably 30 or 35 people coming maybe when 
COVID hit, everything in life now is defined by COVID. And while there were a lot of awful things that happened during COVID, there were a lot of blessings that happened, especially for our Spanish-speaking community. See, during COVID, somebody called me, a business guy in our church, and he said, hey, he said, we just found out the U.S. government's given million-dollar grants to food companies to distribute food to those who are in need. And he said, we can distribute that food however we want to. Do you think 121 would want a million dollars worth of food for the next few months to deliver 800 to 1,200 boxes of food a week? So let me pray on it. Yes. <laughs> we'll do that. God used that for us to get in the community and build relationships and credibility. And so the community knows we, we love them. And then all of a sudden, there are 100 plus worshiping in our parking lot in the Spanish service. They weren't quite ready to come in the space because of COVID. And what a beautiful thing that's continued to happen. See, God's got it. Whatever the transition is, if it's a ministry transition, if it's a job transition, if it's a life transition, whatever it is, we can be confident God's got it. And if that's not enough, then we know from God's promises, and His promises are always yes. But He says in Isaiah 41, 10 to us, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, God's got it. And the thing that will paralyze us most in transition is fear. But yet God says, don't fear. I've got it. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 5 through 7. He's preaching a sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. He's in the middle of that sermon, and he's talking about our basic needs of food and shelter. And then he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, keep your mind on Christ. Keep your mind on the things he wants. And all the other things, he'll take care of it. He's got it. Whatever the transition is, wherever he's moving, do it. And he's got the basics covered for you. You can trust that. I don't know how your yard has fared the last few months. But we were on the precipice of losing our front yard. I can't even remember for which time now. Because we've redone our yard multiple times in my adult life in different houses. I've managed to kill it about everywhere I've been. But it made a turn. And we've had a really good summer, actually. But a couple weeks ago, I looked out at my neighbor's yard across. I was standing in my driveway. I look across the street at my neighbor's yard. And I look at it, and I think, man, his yard burned quick, like from the week before. And then I just looked down at mine, and I thought, man, Mine did too. Maybe I ought to quit looking at his yard. I ought to just look at my own yard. I thought, what happened? I guess finally the 108 degree days wore it out. But then this week, it's lush, greener. I thought, what happened? Well, God rained on it the other day. 
It changed it. There's something about God's rain that's different than when I push it through a sprinkler system. God's got it. God, God provides. Friday night, at least now we're coming home from a wedding, and I don't know if you were outside or not Friday night, and maybe this was more than just between 11 and 12, but it was a display of lightning like we've never seen before in our life. John Calvin talks about all creation, and he says, think of it as the theater of God's glory. And we had the best seats in the house driving from Carrollton back to our home. And the way Lisa described it, it was a great description. It's like it hit and splattered. I mean, it was just like, boom, and then it just stretched in ways I've never seen it before. And we saw one that just looked like a comet going across the sky. I mean, you just you say, it's just, wow, God. And Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Oh, Lord God, behold, you've created the heavens and the earth by your outstretched hand, by your power. Nothing's too difficult for you. So just know that however God is leading today, God has got it. He's the God of the heavens and the earth. He's the God of creation, and he's got it. We can move with confidence. There's a second thing that we learn here that can be helpful in transitions, and that's to renew some things that have been neglected. Verses 2 through 7, I'll read. Someone did ask me this week, what are we talking about this week? And Joshua said, well, circumcision. So that ought to get everybody fired up about being here. Uh, in verses 2 through 7, uh, let me explain. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. By the way, that word means hill of the foreskins. Verse 4, this is the reason that was worth it showing up today, just for you to know that. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So for four decades, they had not done circumcision on the boys. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, they perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Let's pause, verse 7, and talk about circumcision for a moment. Circumcision by definition in... I want to just give you the definition because it matters when we think about what it means ongoing throughout the Scriptures. But circumcision just in and of itself is the cutting of the foreskin of the male sex organ. And this is a practice that multiple nations around Israel were involved in. But it had a unique purpose for the Israelites. In Genesis chapter 12... God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says to him, and a covenant, by the way, is a promise. It's not a contract. 
the wedding we were at the other night. It's a marriage covenant. It's not to be broken. It's a promise between two people. And God has made a series of covenants with his people throughout Scripture. And he makes this covenant with Abraham, and he says to him, I'm going to make a nation from you. I'm going to give you a land, and you're going to be a blessing. We get to Genesis chapter 17, verse 10, and God is talking to Abraham again. And he says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants. This is not just for your generation. It's for every generation hereafter. Every male among you shall be circumcised. That had not happened. Now it needed to happen. It had been neglected by them. And before they could transition well, that which they had neglected needed to be taken care of. We're also told that Moses had failed to circumcise his sons. In Exodus 4, his wife Zipporah makes sure it happens. And that had to happen before Moses then could deliver the people out of Egyptian slavery. This was a sign. Circumcision was a sign of being a part of the covenant people. There's a cutting away, and then there's something new. It's a covenant that's made with God. By the time we get then to Joshua, they had not kept it. They needed to keep it. In verse 8, now when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. A few months ago, we talked about worldview and the lens through which we see things. And that the bulk of people today are not viewing things through a biblical lens. Studies even show that most people in churches are not viewing things through biblical lens anymore. But one of the things we talked about was the character of God. And that God is sovereign, meaning he's in control overall. There's great comfort when there's this kind of battle strategy happening to know that God is sovereign and in control. It, it would not be a good military move to cross into the land where all those people who are hostile to you are within a short distance of you. Then, by the way, we're going to pause for a moment and we're going to circumcise all the men. And it's going to take a bit for them to heal up. That makes everybody really vulnerable to the enemy. But what had already happened? God had melted the hearts and the courage of the enemy. They weren't going to make any moves. See, sometimes we have to step in faith, in trust in what God says, even when we think we understand the consequences are X, Somebody had to be thinking in that camp, this cannot be a good idea. Why did we not do this on the other side of the river before we came on this side right next door to where the battles are going to be? 
God is sovereign. And this is the way he's working. And they had neglected circumcision. They need to get it right. Then the Lord said to Joshua, verse 9, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. That word Gilgal means to roll away. What, what is the reproach that God has rolled away from them? He's rolled away the disgrace that was caused by being in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. He's telling them today, that day is over. It's been rolled away. You're in the land I promised you. I'm about to give it to you. They rolled it away. We're talking about rolling through transitions well. How does this point us to Christ? We talk about in the Old Testament stories that the Old Testament always points us to Jesus. So how does this point us to Jesus? Well, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. But in Deuteronomy 10, and many of you did our summer Bible study in Deuteronomy In Deuteronomy 10, it's already being said it's not just a sign that's a physical circumcision, but they were to circumcise their hearts. Jeremiah says the same thing. He starts saying, hey, look, you you are not acting like the circumcision. You're the uncircumcised, which was a derogatory term for them because what it meant was in their heart, while they physically might have the sign that they're a part of the covenant community, internally in their hearts, their hearts were corrupt, sinful, broken, and they were in rebellion against God. And the prophet said, there will be a day when it won't be a circumcision by human hands, but there will be a circumcision of the human heart. And the old sinful flesh will be cut away. And something new will happen in the human heart. The prophet said he's going to write it on your heart. In the covenants, Israel failed to keep their end of the deal. But God is faithful to his promises. And he promised in Samuel... That through King David, that there would be a Messiah born, and there would be the opportunity for a new covenant to be made, and it would be one that's forever. And in the line of King David, Jesus Christ is born, lives an absolutely perfect life, and he sets up a new kingdom, but it's a kingdom of the heart. And most people misunderstood it. But he came to break into the human heart and to change the heart. The writer of Hebrews says that when Jesus came and he sacrificed, he laid down his life voluntarily and sacrificed himself on the cross, that when he did that, that that was a permanent, once-for-all sacrifice. And he's got it kept On his end. And when by faith we believe it. We're brought into that covenant relationship. With God through Jesus Christ. The 
old is cut out, the new is brought in. Healed, clean, restored. In Colossians 2, Paul writes about this. He says in him, verse 11, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's what I just described. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now look how he continues to talk about it. When you were dead in your transgressions, so your, your human heart was dead, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He uses the term circumcision. This points us. He's going from what he described in the Old Testament as a sign of the covenant. Now it's about the heart. It's always been about the heart. He's using that language of circumcision. But he made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our transgressions by on his body, he took on our sin and cut it out of us when we believe it. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He cut it out. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Jesus has made it possible for us. To have a transition from a filthy human heart to a clean and purified human heart. The best transition we'll ever make in life is from darkness to light in Christ. To have the old cut away and to have the new brought in. Best transition ever. And then we know in Scripture that the the symbol of that changed heart is baptism. And it beautifully pictures what's happened on the inside of a person that only God can do. I can't tell you how excited I get during the week when I come off of a Sunday of how many times I've listened to stories in our Spanish-speaking community of salvation coming and baptisms that happen spontaneously and then they're in their blue jeans baptizing them because they're ready to go i love the work that god does is it possible today that anybody in here online that you've neglected the most important work of all and it's the work that christ does in the human heart and then today, if you've already believed that, is it possible that there are some things that have been neglected over time that need to be made right before there's any transitions made? The same way that we have forgiveness in Christ in that once and for all salvation is the same way today that when I sin against God that I'm forgiven. And the way to maintain a healthy and vital relationship with God is confession and repentance. Is that an ongoing daily habit that you do? Or is that neglected? I would be somewhat frightened to make big transitions with an unrepentant heart. Because it's really difficult to see what God's doing when we're walking and embracing sin. But 
But God's given us a way to freedom day in and day out. The same way he brought us into salvation is the same way we're free daily. It's confession and repentance. Is it possible that it would be difficult to make transitions because there's been a failure and a neglect of God's promise that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? And that sins that we've been forgiven of and freed from, that there's such an assault from the enemy that we keep living in guilt, we keep living in doubt, because he keeps assaulting us with what we did in the past. That's a weapon of the enemy. Have you forgotten today and neglected confession and repentance and believing the promises of God and what he did at the cross to free us? Or, or have we neglected in the fast pace in which we run? Has there been any neglect of Joshua 1, 8, and 9? That this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it? So that you might be careful day and night? So that you might be careful according to all that's written in it? And, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If we're going to transition well in anything in life, whether it's a grieving scenario, a job scenario, a family relationship scenario, a school scenario, whatever the transitions are, one of the things that I routinely challenge people to do, if you're in the midst of a big transition, at a minimum, will you take a day and carve a day just to be with God and to be in His Word and to pray so that you know this is where he's moving you. Have we neglected those things that give us a confidence that God's got it? Well, there's a third piece here that I think is helpful in transitions, and that's to celebrate what it is that God does. Verse 10 through 12, while the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. 14th day of the month, it's the exact same time that God delivered the children of Israel from Egyptian slavery with the Passover night. And now he's telling them, not only do you need to get the circumcision part right, but it's time to celebrate the way God delivers. Now, when we do that, we do it with the Lord's Supper today that has its foundation in the Passover but it's a remembrance for us of the deliverance that God has done in cutting away the old out of us and bringing in the new. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land, Canaan, during that year. There's all kinds of transition happening here. God's saying, you're here now, you're in the land. Let's get the circumcision right. Let's celebrate the past. So let's remember how this got going. And I'm going to give you a taste today, he says, of this land you've been promised. Now, keep in mind, for 40 years, they had eaten the same thing. Manna for lunch, manna for dinner, and manna for breakfast. I don't know if you can relate to eating the same thing every day. As you get older, I'm discovering I have to eat oatmeal every day. 
There's just certain things you need to do if you're going to have a shot at being healthy. It's nice when you can mix it up, throw something different in. I, I think this transition is nice for them. Hey, look, for, for 40 years I've done this for you, and it's sustained you. And now you're about to taste something really good. It's transitions. Celebrating what God's doing. He's, he's coming through, as he always does, in his timing, on his promises. This gives me a slight glimpse at the new heavens and the new earth. For us, we're not headed to a promised land as Israel was. What we're headed to is the new heavens and the new earth for every person in Christ. And the new heavens and the new earth is the earth we're on right now. Heaven will come to earth. And everything here will be renewed and perfect. And there will be a day where we won't need anything cut away. Because everything will be new in Him. Oh, we celebrate what we even anticipate today is ahead. We pause and we remember who we are and whose we are. What are things we can celebrate in our Spanish ministry today? We started a few weeks ago and have done it twice now, a food truck ministry. So we're taking out really great food to job sites. People are letting us on those sites. Uh, Arnaldo and others are speaking. Uh, and there's been a, a, over 100 uh, men from South America, Central America, uh, that have heard the gospel as we brought food out to the job sites. 9.15 on Sunday mornings, they started a Spanish Bible study. And in the last few weeks, it's gone from 5 to 15 people. And the original vision we had when we moved into this building is that the children of the Spanish speakers who speak English would be able to do 121 kids in creation land because of schedules that didn't work so smoothly. But now it does, and the kids are involved in creation land and 121 kids. On Sunday nights, we have ESL. 80-plus people are involved in that, 50-plus volunteers. And then most recently, just this week, we have our first family that is in one of the apartment complexes around us. Their ministry is to build relationships with people in the complex, uh, do events with them, and look for the opportunities to be able to share the gospel with them. And we're hopeful that's just the first of many uh, families that will place uh, really is local uh, missionaries uh, in the area. So all kinds of things that we can celebrate right now that God is doing. And probably one of the coolest ones, I've mentioned this a couple times, uh, Lauren Rose, who leads our communications, uh, we're working through a ministry called Pando, uh, and our services are being streamed into prisons all over Texas. And our Spanish service is one of the largest watched services uh, in the Texas prison system right now. Uh, and there's letters being exchanged and so forth and so on. Yeah, it's awesome. She just kind of step, move, celebrate, see what God's going to do. We love what God's doing among us. The last thing from this chapter that I think is helpful in transition for any of us is to trust and worship our holy God. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, we've been 
talking about circumcision, talking about Passover, talking about the provision in the land. Joshua's kind of out here by himself, and here's this man with a sword drawn, and Joshua asks a logical question. Are you for us or are you against us? And as we do so often, it's actually the wrong question. It's a logical question, but it's the wrong question. In verse 15, or 14, he said, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. The host of the Lord is a celestial divine army. And he's coming as the leader of that army. The question is not, are you for me or against me? The question is, from the true leader of this mission, is are you on my side? Are you going to get in behind the true leader of how this conquest is about to roll? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What is my Lord to say to his servant? Joshua bows down in worship. There's some debate as to who this person is. Is it a manifestation of God himself that's appeared to Joshua? Or is it an angelic being that's come to him? Some would say because Joshua bowed down in worship in other instances in Scripture, when there's a bowing down to an angel, the angel immediately says to get up. You bow and worship to God only. Joshua is having an encounter here that is an encounter on holy ground. Verse 15, the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. We're reminded again of parallels with Moses, who in Exodus chapter 3 was out wandering around and he saw a bush and the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And God told Moses, remove your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. So when we talked about our biblical worldview, we talked about who God is. And we talked about him as a sovereign God. And he's holy God. The songs we sang earlier, we sang about holy God. Holy is a purity, a radiance. Curious beyond what we can comprehend. It's sinless. He says, you're, you're standing on holy ground. And Joshua could only worship him in this moment. You're on holy ground. I know some people don't love the idea of we'll sing for an eternity. Some people think, I don't like singing now. Why would I like singing then? But when we sang that song, Echo Holy, I, I think about the new heavens and the new earth quite a bit and what that will be like. And we'll be in a 
a perfect earth. The, the mountains will be beyond anything we've ever thought were the most magnificent mountains we've ever seen. And the valley's the same. And, and I can just imagine walking in the new heavens and the new earth, through the mountains, in the valleys, with people I love. And just hearing, echoing all throughout the praises of God. Maybe it's like a song in the background and every once in a while I'll pick up in that song and then have this conversation and then, gosh, just look at who God is. Just can't even take it in. But that, that's the moment that Joshua's in. And I don't want to miss the next four words. And Joshua did so. We know a lot about what God says. We know a lot about what God says to do. But are we like Joshua? And do we do it? Joshua yielded, surrendered, submitted. He knew who his true leader was. The transition is about done. They've done the things they need to do to transition well. And in chapter 6, we'll start to see that happen. I started by saying that for all of us, we face different transitions. And over the years, 24 years at 121, we've had multiple transitions over time. We've transitioned buildings multiple times. We've transitioned in different ways. We do ministries. We've had multiple staff members transition over time. And when we do these things, transitions go really well. And we have another transition happening at 121. And I'm grateful for God's timing of being in Joshua. And I would never have picked just on my own on a random Sunday, Joshua 5. But I love that he's sovereign even in what he has us in our teaching week to week. Because we have a transition happening with David Parker, who is our worship pastor, has been for 20 plus years. Diana Parker, who is our kids minister, has been for the last 20 plus years. For those who would be newer to us, they're married. I'm sure you picked that up. Uh, and for a while now, we've been in conversations. They've been sensing from God something different for them. And on this past Thursday, they communicated with our staff uh, that this chapter is done. And gratitude is the word that has uh, just continued to come to them uh, for these past several uh, years that they've served here. They've already communicated this uh, with their volunteers in each of their areas. Um, and they just believe that God has them in a new chapter. Uh, and one of the things that's really cool about who David and Diane are, they work incredibly well together. And they're looking forward to a new season uh, where they'll serve, minister, advance the gospel, just full on being able to do that uh, together. Uh, and so we're excited for them. They're stepping out in faith. They're doing exactly what we're reading in Joshua. 
trusting God will move, lead them uh, in it. And so we're excited about what God has uh, for them uh, in the days ahead. We want to pray faithfully for them. Uh, This week, our staff will be celebrating them on Tuesday. Uh, The scripture says for us to give preference and honor to one another. So it's always appropriate for us to celebrate what it is that God has done through someone. And then next Sunday will be David's last day to lead worship. And then we'll have a gathering right after the service, kind of a snack, lunch. Like, I don't know, you'll get filled up, but it'll be enough to hold you over. Uh, to be able to come in and just acknowledge uh, your love and your care uh, and support of them. Uh, so that's how this next week uh, rolls. We're also confident, uh, as we've watched in the past, why God will be faithful with them in their new venture Uh, we know that God will do the same for us at 121 and that he'll transition us well uh, into those different ministry areas. We're already working on interim kind of teams uh, as we work through that the next few weeks and the way we'll move, roll. Uh, And then we just want to have a little bit of space, as I talked about, to really discern from God uh, where we kind of move from here. But you can have confidence today uh, in those who are already leading, that they've developed, built up, uh, we'll be uh, able to transition well uh, in these days ahead. So if you can be praying uh, for that as well. All righty, let me uh, pray with us, uh, and then uh, we'll wrap up here shortly. Father, thank you uh, for uh, the moments we've had in your word today. Uh, I always am appreciative of the timeliness uh, of your word. I love, God, that you call us to step in faith and trust you as we step. Uh, I love, God, that... Uh, There are things that you have for us as we transition. And today, God, I pray for every person in the room uh, that whatever transitions they're facing or might face or maybe had no idea they're about to face, uh, God, that these words today and the way you led Joshua with the people would be encouraging for them. And God, that they know that you have it. There's no need to fear, but they can move with confidence. Uh, God, that... Uh, There might be some things they need to take care of they've neglected. Uh, And then, Father, I pray they'll be able to celebrate what you've done. Uh, And then, God, they'd be genuine worshipers and follow your lead. Father, help us not get ahead of you, uh, but to stay right in lockstep with your lead. You're our leader today. Uh, And we worship and love you and praise you uh, to that end. Father, I thank you for David and Diana. I thank you for all the ways they've impacted Uh, so many over the years, and I pray, God, uh, you'll continue to cause that to grow and to expand, Uh, and then, Lord, I pray rich blessings uh, as they step out ahead into what you have next uh, for them in the ways you want to advance your name and your kingdom, so thank you. And then, Father, I pray for 121 as well, that this would be a a season of time uh, where we know your leadership, we know your strength, that you'll raise people up that you desire uh, in an interim time and then ongoing. And God, we look forward and eagerly want to watch as you uh, advance the Parkers and as you do the same uh, with 121. Uh, So today, God, we love you and just thank you for the timeliness uh, of your word to us in Jesus' name. If we could, I'll give you just a little bit of space here to continue to pray or to think through what is God saying to you specifically today. And we want to be like Joshua in those last four words. And Joshua did so. Uh, Just put your name in there and say, and your name did so, that we might be an obedient people today to what God's saying.